Welcome back to This Week in Film. That great. We're being attacked by dinosaurs. No! No! This episode's not about Jurassic Park. Thank God. I'm Nick Panonto, joined by Ray Radominki and Tony LeBoy. Yo! He's back. This is the weekly podcast where we... I should have done this at the beginning. This is the weekly <laughs> podcast where we get together and talk about the movies that we watched over the past seven days. How are you doing, fellas? Great. I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, good, too. Wow, just good? Just good. All right. That well, does... That's, Brings that's the good. down a little bit. All right. Well, <laughs> Who goes first? <laughs> who's going to go first? I'll go first. All right. Ray, what did you see this week? I watched a movie called High Rise. Tell us about it. Uh, directed by Ben Wheatley, starring Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Irons, Jeremy's, Sienna Miller, and Luke Evans. Oh, yeah. So first things first, before we get into this into this film, um, it's a newer movie, 2015, Um. What do you guys think of Tom Hiddleston? You know, it's funny you bring him up because moments ago, the Today Show was on, and apparently he's dating Taylor Swift. All right, so all right, so that even makes more sense. Really? So he's okay. on the fast track right now to becoming like a huge star. Absolutely, yes. he's going to be I, James I Bond if Daniel Craig turns down the billion right. dollars. Right, right. So that's the big him. rumor. He's going to become James Bond. He's slowly. I didn't realize that Loki was like his first like major role. Yeah, I really? thought he was. I thought he was in like other stuff before that. Loki, uh, the or not Avengers. Thor was his third movie ever that he ever acted in. No way. Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't know it was. Yeah, I, I thought it was just like his biggest. Right. Yeah. So that. Holy that, yeah, crap. Yeah, that wow. shocked me as well. Uh, there we go. I just figured he's one of those guys that's been around in Britain. For that, that's exactly what I thought. Good too. first movie. So yeah, if you look at his IMDb page, Thor is his, is the third his third acting credit. Wow. So <laughs> that's one thing. Uh. And it just seems like he's getting more and more roles given to him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, not a big, I'm not a, not a big fan of this guy. This guy. No, I like. There's him. something about him that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Like they're trying to make him into this tough dude, but he's like a pretty boy. Yeah, no, they definitely want him to be. You know, like you said, they want him to be a tough guy, and it, it doesn't work for him. I watched that AMC. Uh, Show the night manager, the the miniseries that he was in. How yeah, uh, it was that? It, it was good, but yeah, the same thing. Like something about him in that role just like didn't sit with me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, not the biggest fan of Tom Hiddleston. Okay, so I'm gonna start that out. So this movie is uh, very different. Uh, it's very strange. Uh, I would compare it to. Have you guys ever seen Snowpiercer? Yeah, yeah, okay. great movie. So this is awesome. Snowpiercer in a high rise building. Oh well, now I gotta see it. Um. But not Buildings nearly on a train track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they, they put the building on its side and they slide <laughs> it around the yeah. world. It's not nearly as good as Snowpiercer, which I liked. I didn't love, but it was I. I liked it a lot more than this film. Okay. So basically, the premise is this guy Jeremy Irons is an architect, and he builds this high rise in London. Or, or in the, on the outskirts of London. Uh, the movie takes place in the 70s for some weird reason. There's really no reason for it to take place in the 70s, but it does. So that they can't have cell phones? Yeah, I guess. That might actually be the reason. So is it a good period piece in that way? Or do you <laughs> see, like... No, there's, like, no... Like, like they... I don't even know... Uh, the only reason I know why it takes place in the 70s is because it says it in, like, the... The description, like that guy's wearing an Apple Watch, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's no other reason why it should. Uh, any, anyway, um, so this guy decides to build this high rise in the outskirts of London, 
uh, with the idea of that, like, these people will never need to leave it. So, like, there's a supermarket in it. There's a school in it. Um, there's a there's a world-class gym in it. Basically, anything that you would need to live. But these people still have jobs, like, outside jobs. Right. Um, Tom Hiddleston plays a guy. He's a, he's a doctor, and his his sister just died. And they never really get into why or what happened. There's hints about stuff, but they never really tell you why. Basically, he's had a traumatic experience, and he wants to leave wherever home he was in before. Apparently, he lived in the city in London. Mm-hmm. Wants to leave there and go start anew. So he moves into this new high-rise, and immediately as he gets there, he realizes that there's tension between, like, the top floor, the top couple floors are, like, where, like, the rich and, like, the well-to-do live, and then the lower you go in the high-rise, like, the worse it gets. Okay. Just like Snowpiercer. Sure. Um... So he moves in, he's kind of like in the middle. And what ends up happening is he immediately, you know, gears toward the people that are, are less wealthy. But it's you can tell that the rich realize that he's a doctor and realize that he has history of being like, you know, upper echelon and they're trying to recruit him to be in their part. So he's kind of getting tugged either way. Okay. Um, Luke Evans plays a guy named Richard Wilder who is definitely on the lower end of the spectrum and he can see that there's some there's something fishy going on in, in this high rise where like uh, the people that are on the higher floors definitely live a better life they definitely get treated better sometimes the electricity shuts off in the lower levels and like uh, the higher levels it doesn't mm-hmm. um, crimes are committed and like the police never show up and, like, everything is, like, really hush-hush. So he's, like, the, a, a conspiracy theorist, basically. He's, like, something's going on, like... Does this exist in post-apocalyptic see, that's, Britain, or are see, they just trying to lock people into the building? Yeah, see, see, that's the thing. It's not post-apocalyptic. It's, like, regular Britain. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely got, like, a future feel to it. Like, a lot of stuff's, like, not explained. That's one thing I really didn't like about the movie. The one... The biggest problem I had with it is, like, so all, they're setting this whole thing up where, like, basically there's going to be a clash between the higher class and the lower class in this building. And they get to that point, and instead of, like, that being, like, a big part of the movie, they explain this, like, clash with, like, a two-minute montage. Oh. <laughs> and, and that's it. And then, like, all of a sudden, we flash forward, and the, the building's in complete disarray. Like, people are fighting. Like, there's, everything's, like, broken. There's, like, the store's been, the grocery store's been raided. Like, hmm. people are, there's people that have died that, that just, like, they die in the montage. And that's, you never see, like, why they die or how they die, blah, blah, Does Kenny Loggins do the montage at least? I, I really wish it was. There, there is a, I actually watched it with subtitles. Um, I watch a lot of, whenever I watch a movie that's uh, heavily accented, I watch in subtitles. Because a lot of times they can't understand what they're saying. Right, yeah, I do the same. Um. And they did. They did say which what song it was, and I did Google it. Yeah, and it, it was a pretty good. I forget. I need. I didn't write down what it was called. So was it a good montage? You think? Or? Yes, it was a good montage. It just it, you just wanted to see more of it. It was not a. It montage. was a major part of the movie that didn't need to be explained with a montage. Like, <laughs> um, you're waiting the first hour of the movie. You're like, all right, this is going to be cool. Like they're going to fight each other. Like this is going to be. And there's hints of like there's gonna, it's going to be really violent. And there are the violent scenes are in the montage. But like I said, it's like quick like it's fast as soon as you brought it up and like what it was about i started thinking you ever see the raid yes yeah yeah that's what yeah. that's immediately awesome. where my mind awesome. went. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's not what what this is like at all <laughs> um 
it's more the movie spends more time like talking about like classes uh, in society and how we live and how uh, stuff that we need to survive and like you start seeing that these people stop going to their jobs and they start just like living in this building and that's like all they care about and they they gossip about like like immediately once Tom Hiddleston gets to the building he immediately starts like uh, having a relationship with this one woman and like a day later what guys like oh so you're you're banging what's her face mm-hmm. and he's like how do you know about that he's like everybody knows everything in here so it's like it's basically like a city inside a a building um but i just didn't like the direction they went with it like i like i said like the whole montage thing was weird and then like the end of it or not the end of it but like the last like 40 minutes is spent just like making like social commentaries about stuff and there's no resolution for things and they try to get tom hiddleston like go against the the lower class and he 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 clashes back like, i don't want to ruin it for anybody who wants to see it and i definitely recommend seeing it. it's beautifully shot like the, the cinematography is awesome um like i said the music's good um it it does have like a like a cool tone it was just like the story just like i i wanted something different and I'm, now i understand that you know you're the director and the writers are going for it's actually based off a novel um they're going for something and and they accomplish it, but I just I thought it could have been way better if they spent more time on like the clash between these two uh, two parts of the building rather than just like the aftermath, which right. just wasn't as interesting at all. So, do you think it was like because like the director wanted to do more of like a character study it, as opposed to like a like a violent action right. flick? It definitely yeah, could have had more action. Where Snowpiercer is an action movie right. with dramatic elements, this is a exactly. drama with some action and not it. and maybe. You know, not everything can be like something else. Like every, right. everything yeah. wants to be, you know, its own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I just didn't think it worked for this movie. So, well. but uh, I was very interested in it because I saw the trailer last year, and I think it played at a bunch of festivals. Um, and I went, I read a review on it that was very good, and I've been waiting for it to come out. So it's on Netflix now. If anyone wants to check it out. Um, but yeah, um, uh, check it out. High Rise. Okay. Not bad. All right. Uh, Tony. Yeah? I What wa- did you see? I've got to get the timing down here. I what watched you- <laughs> I watched Insomnia this week. The Al Pacino, Robin Williams, uh, Christopher Nolan directed this flick. It came out in 2002. Um, it takes place in Alaska in a, like a little fishing town. Um, so basically, uh, what it comes down to is this... 17-year-old girl gets murdered in Alaska, so they bring in um, LAPD detective Will Dormer, played by Al Pacino, and um, for some reason, he's be- he's being investigated by inter- internal affairs, so um, an old colleague uh, from Alaska calls him in, and he's like, this is the best guy, this is the guy who's gonna solve this uh, 17-year-old girl's murder, so he comes in even though he's got like a a grizzled past that he's under investigation. He comes in to solve this murder and uh, his partner reveals to him uh, that internal affairs has been breathing down his neck and he's going to have to turn in Al Pacino. And Al Pacino like, obviously doesn't like that. So, uh, Robin Williams uh, plays this... Um, he's, a, he's an author, I believe. Yeah, he plays an author... And uh, so, meanwhile, Al Pacino and uh, this dude set a trap. Uh, his partner set a trap for uh, the murderer. He does, you know, he does his investigation. He, he 
and they set a trap for him. Uh, and meanwhile, they go to this. Uh, they set the trap, and it's in the woods, and there's a like a thick, dense fog. So they see the murderer. They spring the trap, and the murderer disappears into the fog. So there's this very, real tense scene, and Al Pacino uh, thinks he sees him in the th- in the fog. Everybody kind of like goes their own way. He thinks he sees the murderer in the fog, and he shoots him. It turns out to be his partner, and his partner looks at him and thinks that Al Pacino did it on purpose because of the internal affairs investigation. So... I don't remember any of this. Yeah, I, I was just going to say... I, <laughs> I remember keep, the fog. I, I was going to say one thing yeah. that I remember, but keep going. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so his partner dies, and uh, Al Pacino kind of panics, so he makes it look like um, the, murderer, like the murderer killed him. So Hillary Schwank is also in it. <laughs> Hillary Schwank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's also in it, and she plays like some young, uh, impressionable cop who is like enamored by Al Pacino. Um, so Al Pacino and, and gang do some more investigating, and they find out that uh, this girl read a lot of Robin Williams' books. So uh, somehow find... Robin Williams, and now we come to a pause because Robin Williams plays the same character that he's played in two other uh, productions. One Hour Photo, if you've ever seen that movie, right. same guy. And there was a long uh, SVU episode, same character. Really? Uh, a Robin Williams was an F- SVU yeah, episode? It's a great, I was just it's about a to great say, episode. Wasn't he a rapist in that? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, every yeah, episode. Yeah, of course, of SVU. it's SVU. <laughs> But yeah, he plays like the same like dramatic like like very dark like any anytime he plays these guys, he just goes really dark and creepy and it and when it, it Williams totally goes works. Dramatic with but without the beard. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, the murder of his partner starts to weigh on Al Pacino, and he's doing the investigation, and Al Pacino starts toying with him, a la Kevin Spacey in Seven kind of type right. shit, like uh, where it turns out that um, Ron Williams ends up being the killer, reveals that uh, Al Pacino figures it out, he reveals it to him, and uh, the climax in the middle of the movie, Al Pacino uh, goes on a boat with Robin Williams. Right, yeah. They start, I remember the boat. That's what yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. They start talking, and, and Robin Williams agrees to meet with him because he's like, I know you did it, and you know I did it, whatever. So they start talking, and he's like, I know you killed your partner because I, I was there and I saw it. And he's like, well, I know you killed that girl. And the whole time, uh, Robin Williams is recording it. So now he's now... Al Pacino has admitted to killing his partner, so he's kind of holding it over his head. So what Robin Williams pitches is that, hey, you help me, I'll help you. You um, will pin it on her abusive boyfriend. You can get out of town. I'll go back like I'll go back to my life and then this can all be over. And Al Pacino kind of like realizes, like, all right, well, I really don't have a choice. So he kind of goes along with it. And then he starts getting an attack of conscience when Robin Williams is in the uh, interrogation room, revealing it to the rest of the uh, the cop gang. Um, so, blah blah blah. The the rest of the story. It's it's a very slow moving movie. 
Um, and the crux of it is basically that there's the since they're in Alaska during um, the summer solstice, uh, there, it's always light. So compounded with his guilt of killing uh, his partner, the light seeping into his room uh, is driving Al Pacino insane. So he can't sleep because he has insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, whatever. So, uh, so Al Pacino, uh, descends into madness, ends up, um, the whole climax at the end, uh, where he meets Robin Williams and they, they, they basically, you know, ends up duking it out. And that was basically, it, it was, it, to me, to, to sum it all up, to me, it did not watch like a, a Christopher Nolan movie at all. There was not, I. To me, there wasn't that, like, he has a very, like, real sense of, like, darkness and, and, and mystery about his his movies. And this and this just seemed to me like kind of like just a, like a lifetime movie almost. It was just very I, uh, blandly I, acted. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, that was great, the, the lifetime movie comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was just very bland and, and yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I, I watched this movie when I was very young, and I uh, and I remember I didn't like it. And then when Christopher Nolan started to become more mainstream, I guess maybe with like The Dark Knight and Inception, like I guess what was it like? Five? Did he get Batman after this movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like he got Bat. This Batman was the next movie he did, or did he have one? Uh, I, I don't know about that. Um, but after like he started becoming more mainstream I'm like oh yeah didn't he direct that Insomnia movie I'm like I remember not liking that and I went back and watched it again and I didn't like you know what I mean like right. it was like you look at the cast and you look at the, the synopsis right yeah. and, you and you're like there's no way why didn't convince. I like this yeah. and then I watched it again and I'm like yeah I still I didn't it, even right now like, hearing Tony describe it I'm right. like oh I must love this movie I must have been in a bad mood but. right like, I remember watching it and just being so bored. <laughs> no, you see, like, everything that I described, it almost, it like, it sounds like it would be awesome. But it, the way they play it is just so bland. And, like, and like even the turn, the twist and turns, it's just, like, it, it just doesn't hit. And, and going back to the timeline of things here, Memento came out. Well, first, he did Following, like, his, his debut right. flick. Right. Then he did Memento, which was a great movie. Great movie. Insomnia. And then he got Batman Begins. That's then, crazy then, that they gave him Batman after, that, after prestige, Insomnia. Then, yeah. But I guess Insomnia did really well. I think I remember it doing very well. I worked at Blockbuster at the time, and we had a whole section a whole devoted it, to right? it. So yeah. that means it did pretty well. Yeah. I mean, Robin Williams was probably just coming up. What was it coming off? Jumanji? <laughs> Jumanji was like 96. Yeah, I didn't know they still have Blockbuster. You see that video of the guy in Alaska? They still have Blockbusters in Alaska. What? Oh, yeah, and a guy, a guy just posted a video the other day of him walking through one. Oh. I still uh, know my employee number. It's always <laughs> I didn't know that they still existed. I guess in remote places where, like... Are yeah, the, I guess if are, you had a franchise, yeah. why would you... Are the late fees national? Like, if you went there... Like, if I went there and tried to, like, use my Blockbuster... Card. The late fees were total BS. Like, if you never paid your late fee, you would get a letter in the mail from, like, a collection agency. The collection agency didn't exist. It was just, like, a scare tactic to get you to come in and pay. <laughs> Damn, I really wish I would have known that. Yeah. Like, I mean, eventually, if you have a late fee, they just you just won't get to rent anything else. Right. 
but you're not gonna Keeping get you're not gonna get like a credit hit or anything like that. Trade secrets. So hop in your time machine, rent ten new releases, and don't return them by midnight on the second day. Oh, you know what? It wasn't Alaska. It was Texas. Is where it was. But I oh. think they said there are ones in Alaska. Well, never too. mind then. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not like Insomnia. Yeah, to summarize, Insomnia put me to sleep. Uh, you've been working on that all night. Yes. Oh, here, <laughs> here's what happened. So he did one hour photo, then he did Death to Smoochie, and this then he did Insom- yeah, and then he did Insomnia all in 2002. So big year for him. Death to Smoochie is a good movie. I've never seen it. It's a it's a really dark. That's he plays like really black mascot, comedy. Right? Yeah. All right. So last week, Ray, you talked the new Point Break. Right. My brother was in town this week, and he's a big fan of our show. Hi, Matt. And uh, he was saying how he had never seen the original Point Break. Blasphemy. So we watched that. Nice. Of course. That's fantastic. Um, I have a lot of notes. Um, and we're going to go through like, what are you doing while you're watching the movie um, anyway but uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen Point Break or its remake Keanu Reeves is a FBI FBI agent <laughs> yeah that was pretty good and um, and he's tasked him and his partner Gary Busey are tasked with solving this series of bank robberies that Gary Busey believes are being committed by surfers in the greater Los Angeles area. And um, basically the story is about Keanu and Gary Busey trying to take down Patrick Swayze and his gang of ban- bandits. Bodie. Bodie. We're talking Johnny Utah, Angelo Pappas, and Bodhisattva. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when the movie was over, my brother had a huge smile on his face. And he was saying, that was great. He said, I really liked that. <laughs> it was the best kind of terrible, which is a perfect description of the movie. Right. Uh, it's a it's an excellent example of what you can do when you have a, a great director with charismatic charismatic actors, uh, w- well done, exciting action sequences, and a terrible script with terrible acting to go with your charismatic actors. Um, the movie also exists in the 1991 post-glam rock era. era. Uh, the music in the movie I don't care for, uh, and everyone in the movie that isn't an FBI agent looks like they just walked off the set <laughs> of Extremes More Than Words video. <laughs> and there, there's no way that they could make this movie even two years later. Yeah, uh, it's like, it's like uh, what do they say? It's, it's lost in, or it's... It's trapped in, trapped time. in time, yeah. yeah. I mean, two years later is when the Seattle grunge sound right. like swept over. And Anthony Kiedis, we mentioned last week, is in this movie, and uh, he plays one of the bad guys. And uh, I looked at the, the dates, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, he's the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, they like Blood Sugar Sex Magic didn't come out till after this movie came out. Oh, really? Out. Yeah, huh. so like this movie uh-huh. came out in this, I think, the summer or spring, and that movie came out in late, or that album came out in late 91. That's pretty cool. So he was just like, I guess, real big in Southern California, right. like that West Coast, and he's in LA, so he was just. He probably knew somebody or yeah, something. Yeah, well, that's why him and Flea are in a bunch of random early 90s yeah, movies. Yeah, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's Flea? Uh, wait. Flea plays one of the other. 
You, you, know, you know the scene where they go and raid that house and yeah. like flees one of those guys. Is oh, he? is he? Yeah, isn't he? Isn't he one of those? I know guys? Anthony Kiedis is one of Anthony them. Anthony Kiedis know, is uh, definitely like in there. Flees in another movie that's like this, where he's like gets in a like a beach fight. By the way, you want to talk about a great sequence? That sequence when they raid that house. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's, absolutely. That's yeah. I think number nine on my list. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, so anyway, like even the chili, like that chili peppers, like funk rock sound hadn't even really swept America off its feet. Um, and the movie really feeds on the idea of the dangerous California surfer dude, <laughs> which I remember was a thing like, like the Southern California beach guys. Right, like it wasn't, with them. they weren't like hippie dudes. They Stay were like, Stay off my is, wave. This is our beach, man. Get off my wave. Um, What's the one guy's name? War Child. War Back Child. Off War Child. <laughs> then, then Swayze has like a different. <laughs> um, uh, the movie is very is over two hours long, and it feels every minute of it. Like I kind of thought it would fly by, and it it doesn't. Like it feels it feels as long as it is, but they cram every minute. They're, they're, they don't waste anything. Um, and then the raid sequence where they raid Anthony Kiedis's drug house right. or whatever is a fantastic action sequence. Oh, yeah. Um, for the following reasons. Um, <laughs> there's there's boobs. There are boobs. Yep. There's a hot girl in the shower, bathing thong bathing suit girl who answers the door, who time does not make that look any better. <laughs> um, but also that whole sequence is a total bust for Busey and Gary Busey, Busey and uh, Keanu Reeves characters where they, they totally raid the wrong house. And right. Tom Sizemore is the DEA agent. And there are no consequences for <laughs> Gary Busey and Keanu Reeves. They're basic. Like two scenes later, Keanu's like, I'm right this time. I know it. <laughs> you got to believe me. And, and, they, and then they just continue with their operation. My favorite... Just to pause on Tom Sizemore's character in that movie, because he he really just comes in. He's like, "You freaking cowboys! Yeah, like, my wife left me. I've got to stay at Ramada. Like, this I guy wear was my deep undercover like for five years, and they just blow it for him. <laughs> Ruined his life. Um, oh my! God. But uh, but I, the, that raid sequence is is one of the great examples of a very good direction in the movie. Uh, there's no music throughout the scene. It's very tense. Uh, there's a lot of close-ups, uh, like just headshots, right. or uh, a close-up of of guns or or whatever they're going they do after. The, the lawnmower isn't the lawnmower yeah. going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lot of quick cuts, very clear sound, uh, and the point of view in the scene changes for, to like every character that's involved in it at one point. Um, but you you totally understand where you are throughout the scene. Um, until the gunfight breaks out, and then like you, the, as the viewer, are also lost in like the I'm gonna say fog of war because they're all shooting at each other. Right. But it's like this great action sequence that in uh, in somebody else, like Catherine Brigolo directed it, who's the director of uh, Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Right. Um, and I think this was her first major film, and many of the former wife of James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, many of the sequences of the movie have that similar thing. The movie starts out uh, when Keanu Reeves is first introduced. They, there's this very long steady cam walk um, through like this FBI cubicles and offices and stuff. And you don't even realize that it's that it's going on. It's just it's just a very well directed movie. Um, and then a uh, lot of great stunts in the movie. Um, for instance, 
at the end when Keanu jumps out of the plane. One of the most ridiculous a, scenes without ever. Without a parachute, yeah. F it! Yeah. <laughs> my brother, my brother, we're watching the scene, and Keanu, or Swayze leaves the airplane. He's like, see you later. And Keanu's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he jumps. My brother, my brother starts dying going, he jumped out of the plane. <laughs> Uh, and then they cut to the stuntman who's like flying towards Swayze and you could totally tell he's got a parachute on yeah. but I remember seeing a making of segment or like history's best stunts or whatever and that ranked very high at the time because the stuntman they, like they couldn't just send a guy out of a plane right um, like the the goal of the stunt was for the stuntman to hit the Swayze stuntman and they were going to float to the ground together. But if there was a problem, he had a backup, he had a backup shoot, but it was underneath his shirt. Like Keanu's wearing this purple shirt. So if there was a problem, the stuntman would have to lose the shirt and then pull the shoot. So it's a pretty harrowing stunt. And, um, much like all the other action sequences in the movie, it's shot in a very exciting way. Um, one thing that I did notice is that whenever, Swayze and Keanu are supposed to be flying or whatever. The camera's just always pointed straight up, so it just looks like the sky is behind them. It's like, you know, like when they're in the airplane, all the shots are from real low, so that you're, when you're looking out the airplane windows, you can't tell that they're not really in an airplane. Not flying. Or not really flying. But, uh, yeah, Point Break is is an excellent example of a of a unbelievably bad, unbelievably great movie. I do have to say... Uh, while the raid scene in the house is top notch, I have to I I have to say that I think the um, when they have the stakeout in front of the bank when they first are staking out the ex presidents they know they're going to hit this bank mm-hmm. and they're waiting for them and that chase scene that culminates yeah. the, the huge car chase scene with uh, with Gary Busey and Keanu chasing them they get to the gas station they torch the car yeah. then it goes on foot like. Running through the backyard. Running through the, the uh, yeah. they throw. He throws a damn pit bull in his face. <laughs> yeah, like he takes the time to pick up a dog. <laughs> yeah, and then it ends in the, uh, yeah, it ends in like that. Like then, what? What is? What is that? Because the they LA, use it in Terminator Two. Terminator Two. Same they use thing. the same yeah. place. That's I don't even the, know what it that's is. That's the L.A. River. Yeah, and they do it in uh, Greece too, don't they? Do it in Greece to in the that's one. That's right. Uh, that's where they race. Yeah. Oh yeah. Race. Oh yeah. Right, man. Yeah. But yeah, and that's where he br- sprains his knee and he shoots in the air. Right. Yeah. It's and they try to recreate he loves that him then, so much in the new one. He can't shoot him. Yeah. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, you should watch Hot Fuzz because they make oh. fun of that. Hot, hot. Have you seen Hot Fuzz, Tony? Yes. It, hot it, Fuzz is every cop movie ever made deliberately, and it, it's it's procedural. Like it starts out as one kind of movie and goes along the way, and the anyway. Yeah, Check out Hot Fuzz. Fantastic. It's great. You'll never see. You'll never watch the Keanu shooting into the air scene. <laughs> I missed. You don't miss. I've never seen you miss at all. I missed. Uh, but one thing too that uh, a lot of people don't know or that don't think about is the Fast and the Furious is essentially this movie just with cars. Oh, and, yeah. you're right. And, you're right. Uh, yeah. Um, them like robbing what are they robbing like big trucks or whatever yeah it's 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 the same plot yeah pretty much yeah um the scene you're talking about tony where where uh, swayze lights the gas yes pump on fire <laughs> yeah the gas i pump. feel like that's where the movie takes like a bad a not so great turn like that's where the swayze character like all of a sudden is a totally different character right because the reason that they never shoot anybody or hurt anybody is because Bodhi abhors violence Right. And so then all of a sudden he's like, well, you got to do what you got to do. 
And they push uh, him, Keanu pushed him to the edge. Yeah, they pushed each other to the yeah, edge. Yeah, but right. you got to realize though, he they never he never killed anybody in that scene. He get he makes uh, like he could have shot the the guy they stole the car from. He makes him leave. Like they really were just doing what they had to do. Right. Yeah, and actually, the one at one point, the one of the bank robber guys, I think it's not River Phoenix, the guy who looks like River Phoenix but isn't River Phoenix. Oh no no no! I know who you're talking about. He calls him little brother, so I don't know if that's his name or if that's just like a not French. Yeah, um, he uh, he's got a, a straight bead on Keanu with his machine gun, and Bodie knocks his gun away. He's like, "No, don't shoot!" Right. But when does Bodie know that it's Keanu when he's laying there in the river or while he's chasing him? I think he knows even before that. Oh really? I think he know. I I think he realizes it. When he knocks the gun away, I think that's the point. I think that's the first time that he ever that he ever sees Johnny Utah as a cop because the whole time they think he's a lawyer, dude, you know, whatever. I think that's the first time that Bodie ever sees him as a cop. Hmm. And Keanu loves him so much, he can't shoot him. Also underrated character in that movie, John McKinley, the uh, the head of the FBI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just fantastic. He's great, yeah. Just ripping people's heads off. Yes, the surfboard <laughs> yeah. bothers me. And yes, you bother me! <laughs> Garrett Busey just decks him. Yeah, he just, he just lays into Busey that entire movie until yeah. he gets decked in the face. It's awesome. It's, it's just such an over-the-top movie, but it's perfect. It's just so perfectly done. I could literally go on about this movie for another hour. Yeah, me too. But let's not. Let's get to last week's Ray's Random Request and Tony's Third Degree. Uh, so, Ray, your question was favorite action sequence yes and tony your fit well let's do ray's responses first uh so ray matt l who lives in chicago uh he said his favorite action sequence is the church scene from king kingsman secret service mm -hmm. That's a good which one. is just a great action scene oh yeah or i feel like me and matt are the only two people who ever saw this movie but the movie ultra violet ultra violet yeah is that with charlie's theron i think it's Mila Jovovich. Oh, yeah, I don't right, remember. Right, right. But the beginning of that movie was so good. Like, we went expecting to see, like, a terrible, terrible movie. Right. And we got that. But the beginning of the movie was so great that we were like, oh, my God, why isn't anybody watching? Oh, it's really bad. But the first five minutes <laughs> of that movie are unbelievable. You, if you can watch the beginning of Ultraviolet and then turn it off, you'll know when to turn it off. It doesn't get any better again. Uh, at Wilmington Dan on Twitter, uh, he's friend of the show. Dan, uh, he says the opening sequence from X Men Two with Nightcrawler, uh, yeah, which I totally House. agree. Yeah. I think that might be my favorite answer. Uh, he says it's a great use of surround sound. By the way, if you're testing out your system, Barb F. She says her favorite action scene is uh, the Steve McQueen car chase in San Francisco from the movie Bullet, which I haven't seen. It's like on my list of things that I just never get around to. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Uh, Liz G says the zero gravity fight scene in Inception. Awesome one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, through the like the hotel or whatever. Yeah, and then Jill P. Uh, she says the the club scene from John Wick. Oh, that's fantastic! Which is oh, another yeah. Keanu. If you haven't seen John Wick, you should see it. Awesome. Uh, and then Tony, your third degree from last week was what? What's a movie where a typecasted actor breaks out of his 
Yeah, breaks mold. out of his rule mold. Right. Yep. So Liz says on that to that she says Betty White and the Golden Girls, which I don't understand, Liz. <laughs> she actually explained it to me, and I don't understand it either. But when when I first read her her comment, I thought she said the zero gravity Betty White fight scene <laughs> in Inception. <laughs> Okay. I guess um, the fact that, like, but wasn't Betty White, like, the same character in the Golden Girls that she's been trying to do? Like, because recently they've been trying to put Betty White in, like, comedy films and, like, be very, like, raunchy. Wasn't she kind of Hot like in that? Cleveland. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about Betty White before no, yeah. I don't really the, know Golden the Golden Girls, but she was, she's been an actress since we'll she take was your word in her for 20s, it. at least. Right. So, but I know that she tried to, to change up her role because remember we were saying, um, she was in Lake Placid. She was like the foul-mouthed lady who fed right, the. Right, right. Let Betty works. Betty White says the f word in that movie, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah I feel like she's just being herself at this point. Right. Um, so then uh, Jill P says her typecasted actor pick would be Jim Carrey's breakout in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very good one. Uh, and then Wilmington Dan at Wilmington Dan. Uh, he also picked Jim Carrey, but from the Truman Show. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, he really made a turn. I, th I think with Eternal Sunshine, like the, he really showed his chops there. Uh, I would also say he took another turn. The number twenty-three. Not such a great movie, <laughs> but I mean, I, I admired his his attempt. The Majestic was also terrible. Yeah. Well. Oh my God, the Majestic. I also got a response. Uh, oh. From another Nick. No way. And he said basically the entire. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road for my question. Oh, sure. Right, it's basically yeah. just one just big one long yeah. action scene. One long action yeah. scene. Excellent. Well, thanks, Nick. It wasn't me. <laughs> and, um... Alright, so, guys. It was a great success with both questions last week. Let's do it again. Oh, boy. Ray, because you look more prepared than Tony <laughs> right now. <laughs> What's your Ray's random request for this week? All right, so this week, it doesn't really uh, go... It kind of goes with my movie. Um, but me and Tony were talking earlier tonight about uh, Hateful Eight mm -hmm. um, and how that the movie pretty much takes place in one setting. You got, you guys, both of you haven't seen it, right? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and then the movie I watched, High Rise, for the most part, takes place in, in this high-rise building. I mean, there's a bunch of different parts of the building, so it, it feels bigger than just a room in Hateful Eight. Right. But um, I want our listeners to think about a movie that they liked or that they disliked that took place in one, like, setting. Nice. In one okay. spot. Oh, that's um, a good question. Yeah, and off the top of my head, I can't The Hateful Eight's the first thing that I can think about because it's a recent movie. Right. Um, but, yeah. Oh, that's my question. Thinking hard. All right, Tony, what is your Tony's third degree? I was buying you time. No, yeah, I'm going to jump on Ray's question because we're uh, part of the same conversation we had. Um, what is your favorite movie that is largely driven by dialogue? We, of course, we were talking about Quentin Tarantino, and he has just some of the most witty dialogue in in his movies mm -hmm. um 
ever in cinematic history. So just based on dialogue between characters, what is your favorite scene or complete movie? Like first thing that I can think of like a movie like this would be Clerks. Like that whole movie is just witty dialogue and that's just right. that's just vintage Kevin Smith. So what is your favorite movie that's largely driven just by dialogue between I gotta, characters? I got to get a good answer for that. Uh, Alec Baldwin scene from uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Scene drives the entire movie. Coffee's for closers. That's where I said to always be closing earlier today that I don't think anyone but you guys got. It was yeah. brilliant. Everyone liked it. <laughs> I'm very popular. Everybody praised it. Sam wrote it down. Great. Yeah, great questions, guys. Get some great answers. Let's yeah. get some great guys answers. and girls. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Lads uh, and lasses. <laughs> and All right, so that brings us to the, the new exciting plug segment. Ray, do you have any plugs this week? I don't. Oh. I was really <laughs> looking forward to that firefighter money from your buddy's firefighter. I can plug it again. Sure, if you want to, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Did they pay this week? Tony, do you have any plugs? Well, let him do his firefighter plug. Well, I got to find it. Uh, oh, okay. I'm buying him time. Perhaps you have a comic book you'd like us all to read. Oh, Boy Zero, wherever comic books are sold. The graphic novel by Charles Chester? That's correct. The okay. same. Uh, Chief Fire and Rescue, for all your industrial firefighting needs, visit chief-fire.com. You, have you a, need a fire truck? You have a fire? We'll snuff it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, don't know, I don't know if that's an official tagline or not. but I like it. I'll say hi to my son Alex and my daughter Natalie. And uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network, it must be after 1030 at night on Wednesday night, which is when we're on. Uh, if you're interested in the podcast radio network, it's uh, every evening on pod. If you go to podcast radio network dot net, you can find all the shows that we do there. Uh, Let's Talk Flicks gives us a great lead in every week. Uh, it's a great show where they talk about, you know, just uh, new stuff with movies every week. And uh, I think that's, that's it for podcastradionetwork.net. Check them out uh, or the Crikey app. K-R-Y-K-R-Y. Uh, but if you want to find our back catalog of exciting episodes, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, and as always, This Week in Film Podcast.net. No, This Week in Film Podcast.com. We don't have the .net. It's been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you guys the have blood anything gulch. else? The Blood Gulch has been playing for like 10 minutes <laughs> now. Last week, the song had to start over again. <laughs> We should just record that, us singing Blood Gulch. <laughs> if that's the end of the reel, we'll see we you. We need to find something new there. At the movies. Next, but well, you can't beat perfection. We'll see you next week <laughs> in film. What? What? <laughs>